A vague disclaimer is no one's friend. This podcast will look at episodes in relation to Buffy and Angel as a whole, and therefore contains spoilers for the entirety of both series. If you haven't seen all of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel the series, go and watch them before you listen to this. Remember, you've been warned. The hardest thing in this world is to live in it. That's why there's us, champions. We live as though the world were as it should be, to show it what it can be. The Earth is definitely doomed. It's Tuesday, so it must be time to return to the Hellmouth. We're going through the Buffyverse episode by episode and a look back at Joss Whedon's iconic show. I'm MC, and I'm here with... This is Andy. And this is David. So uh, this is a very important episode. We are talking about episode seven of season one, Angel. Um, And I think this is the episode where... Buffy kind of changes from being like just like a monster of the week. You know, we're going to fight evil. This is where we really kind of establish what this show is going to be going further. Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking about it, you know, right as I was finishing watching and this in the X-Files, I will credit for being like game changers in television and serialized drama. Cause you, I mean, you had a little bit yet, you, you know, but I don't, remember really being cognizant of other shows that had this sort of long game arc things until again x-files and then buffy just a few years later and this this episode is the game changer of the game changer yeah um i was thinking about it like what episodes we've had before basically the closest we've had to an episode as part of the myth arc of this season is never kill a boy on the first date and that's only because we have the little anointed one plot that goes on in it right uh, but even that that is like a subplot to the whole buffy's trying to date and have a normal life and if you take that anointed one part out then it's just like a normal episode but this one angel changes everything i mean this episode you absolutely have to watch this well i mean it's actually really funny because the twist of angel being a vampire everybody knows it now uh so almost you don't have to watch it but it is such a it it does it changes everything i mean it um establishes things for angel it establishes things for angel and buffy it establishes things for angel and darla it um furthers the master plot it also establishes rules within the universe about how the demons and the souls and the you know all that really gets i mean you've had a little bit of that giles giles being exposition guy Mm -hmm. digging into it a little bit more each episode but this one you you get a lot of information about how this world's going to work yeah yeah, this is this is the one where I mean we've gotten sort of generic how the monsters work before this, but this is the first time. This is where basically Buffy the Vampire Slayer puts its foot down and says, "This is how we're doing it." They're 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 essentially starting to really build the show's vampire and demon mythos, and and of course the concept that you can that you can have a vampire who isn't evil which giles at first doesn't believe at all and then we get the we get the reasoning and it's like oh oh maybe maybe you can but just at this point just this one yeah well yes yes no that'll expand later but 
It it will exp- expand a lot. I was actually I did a lot of research into Angel as a character. Angel is the first vampire that we know is reinsold, but actually there's not just going to be Spike later on, but in the comics Drusilla gets reinsold. Darla, you can almost hmm. say, is reinsold to a certain extent. We see uh, Sam Lawson in um, Why We Fight, so he's really mm-hmm. kind of. He- he really changes things in terms of you know how vampires are portrayed which which is interesting i was i was thinking about it a lot during this episode and in buffy 90 percent of the vamps are just evil and stupid and they're minions like it's very rare you actually get i don't know quite how to put this um right because most of them are just they're vampires they're there you dust them you move on there's a whole bunch of them but the and the soul thing, it comes up a lot, and but it comes up a little inconsistently. Yeah, on how a soul works, how that you know affects your memory, your personality, um, which I'm sure we'll get into much much later as we're recording yeah. later right. on. But w- once we get into season four of Angel, we're gonna be like, what the hell is going on here? Why is the soul working so differently? Right, and also. Also, when we get to Angel, and even somewhat somewhat in Buffy, we'll eventually get to the concept, which is actually not in existence here yet. This is the, you know, Angel is an extremely special case. But we will later learn that demons are not inherently evil. No, they're really not. At, at the end of season two, we'll meet Whistler. And in and in by the time you get to Angel, you've got entire races of demons mm-hmm. that are that are not inherently evil. Yeah, uh, and then uh, yeah, we got like uh, Clem uh, on Buffy. Right. I mean, Buffy does tend to stay away from the 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 demons um, as as good. We get a couple examples of them. Um, the vengeance demons are not, you know, they're they're evilish. You know, evil yeah. but you know we do, and even even Clem has a thing for eating kittens. Well, yeah. So, <laughs> but he's Clem, right? Yeah, yeah, I. Yeah, no, I know. It's hard to take Clem seriously as a threat. No, he's it's... great. <laughs> yeah, but they do tend to stay away from the whole gray area that does come up on Angel. Um, mm-hmm. I was going to say it's a lot less nuanced. I was going to agree. It's a lot less nuanced on Buffy, and there are a few good demons, and there's a few good ish vampires. But that that stuff really is going to come into play in Angel, the series, and I think that all starts here in Angel, the episode. Definitely. Uh, Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, like, uh, Xander's got the line, you know, about, uh, you know, birds... Birds gotta swim, fish gotta fly. Exactly. Which which I take issue with, because when did Xander have the time or the inclination (laughs) to see the musical Showboat? Yeah, which is what that quote uh, is from. I yes, I think I think that's a a, a sufficiently widely used phrase at this point. Okay, he, he but I was like, well okay, I one. guess apparently Xander, because we've talked about this before, how Joss didn't know if he wanted to make Willow gay or Xander gay, and I'm not saying all <laughs> stereotypes are real, but I don't know. Knowing songs from Showboats sort of pings my gaydar. So I. I can't believe I forgot to do this, but uh, this episode uh, was uh, directed by Scott Brazil, and it was written by David Greenwald, who, which is a name that is going to come up a lot 
throughout both Buffy and Angel, especially when it comes to the character of Angel. David Greenwalt is uh, basically uh, Angel the series' real daddy. I mean, everybody always talks about Joss shows, Joss shows, Joss shows, but David Greenwalt mm-hmm. was the one who was really behind that. Um, and this episode originally aired on April 14th, 1997. So, sorry, I have to get out the... And I think, is David Greenwald the first writer that we've had come back now? I think so. Oh, uh, well, uh, yeah, even Joss. Joss, uh, even has Joss hasn't written the, He did the, the pilot. pilot. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah. I mean, if you count the pilot as two episodes, then yeah. yes. But. Uh, but I'm trying to remember now which episode David Greenwald had previously. Oh, he did the he did Teacher's Pet. Yes. <laughs> right, where I got, like, super outraged at him and like quoted his entire back catalog of like terrible teen sex comedies so really amazing because teacher's pet is the worst episode of this season and angel is one of the best like i don't know if i would say it is the absolute best because prophecy girl is amazing it really is Mm -hmm. but angel i would probably say yeah number two on the list it's certainly up there, and and of course it has the importance thing going for it. Exactly, yeah. So, and well, you know, it, it, it's interesting, sort of, like, I guess maybe this almost mirrors the the improvements David Boreanaz has made from the beginning to yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> like David Greenwald, Greenwald did Teacher's Pet, but really upped his game here, and Angel's early appearances, David Boreanaz is like, oh god, please, no, take acting lessons. Uh... <laughs> I mean, I, I mean that in the best way because he does have potential, obviously, and he does get better. Oh, he gets and he's much better. So here. much better, yeah. But I think he and David Greenwald both sort of were on a learning curve. Yeah, I mean, oh, a lot of people upped their game in this one. Like, I mean, Sarah was already great, mm-hmm. but Sarah is fantastic in this. I think Julie Benz did a much better job on oh, this one than yes. she did in the pilot. I mean, granted, she had a lot more to work with in this, but yes. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Darla, um, so. Yeah, and I, I don't think I remember her I, I, initially going through. I was like, okay, that's interesting. She's another vampire. They obviously had a thing, you know, but then I didn't really think about her again for a long time. Well, I mean, it doesn't really become an issue again until we get to Shanshu in L.A. Uh, we do see her in flashback mm-hmm. in, I think, Becoming Part 1, mm-hmm. but that's it. Mm, yes. Yeah, we eventually see flashbacks, but this is the last time we see Darla in the present for for years. Yeah, yeah and it's, I mean, we will see Darla on Buffy again, but only within a crossover episode that's really angel-centric. Well, except for Becoming. And, well, yeah, and in Becoming, I remember the first time I saw that, I was like, which, who is that woman that's turning angel? Like, I, I went, wait, is that... It, it took me a while to sort of, like, figure out that was Darla. Oh, I totally remembered. And I actually, I remember for that one really flipping out. I was like, oh, my God, Darla's back. I, I think it was because she was obviously dressed so differently. Yeah. Um, That I was like, wait, who? Oh, oh, no, that's the lady with the skirt and the John Woo guns that we saw all the way back in season one. Yes. And also, I, I mean, at that point, that. As much as you know, she's better here than she was in her first appearance. They re- she's really still more of a plot device than a real yeah. character at this point. So, whereas in becoming, she becomes an actual character. Yeah, 
Uh, well, I actually don't think that we will reach Darla's full potential until we get to season two of Angel. Oh, I agree. Yeah. But, you know, looking back on it, watching it again for the 45th thousand time, I I kind of got a little into Darla, knowing what's going to come later, knowing oh, yeah. that dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, she just, I mean, she's evil, but she really just wants her dude back. Yeah, she cares about Angel a lot. She does. She wants yeah. she wants her playmate back. She wants and it really sets mm-hmm. up for the future what kind of dynamic that they have. You know, she's yeah. like, "Oh, you're hurting me. Do it some more. Or, I like it. I like it. I like yeah, it." That's good too. I was like, "Well, that's ex- <clears throat> that tells you a lot just yeah, in that well, one little moment yeah. what uh they are to each other." Yeah, well, we will find out later. I mean, Angel is the most important person in Darla's life. I mean, on Buffy, when we see her, mm. she's always, she is the master's minion. And then we find out on Angel that Darla left the master to be with Angel. And mm-hmm. she left the master for hundreds of years. Well, maybe like a hundred years. Right. Um, yeah. I, it, was, I, it actually, this as you know, my, my philosophy degree started cropping up at me uh, watching this because the conversations between Darla and Angel are actually really interesting from a philosophical point of view, because you look at, you, you see the, just the very different perspectives of vampires versus sold creatures Mm -hmm. in general. And, and it's, it's, they don't really give you anything to indicate that Darla's perspective is actually wrong. Mm -hmm. Given, given that, She's a vampire. She lives forever. And, you know, it's like, well, what's the point of living forever if you don't just make the most of it? Mm -hmm. To hell with responsibility. (laughs) Uh, And so it's kind of, it's, it's, was, was interesting to me anyway, watching those two dynamics, those sort of two philosophies sort of butt heads in uh, uh, action adventure series. (laughs) I am going to bring up a big problem with Angel and Darla's conversation, and that's uh, Mm -hmm. Angel talks about how the last time he saw Darla, it was kimonos. Uh, Excuse me, Angel, the last time you saw Darla, it was during the Boxer Rebellion in China, where (laughs) nobody's wearing fucking kimonos. Right. Yeah. Well, yes. Well, (laughs) that's yeah, I, I, I mean, the, the, the only real answer to that is, well, they hadn't written yeah, that it's, yet. Yeah, it's continuity, <laughs> but in, in universe, it just means that Angel is super problematic. Yeah. For sure, I mean, Angel, yeah. Yeah, yeah obviously, they they didn't know where they were going with this. Yeah. They're, and I, you know, I think they definitely had some long game ideas, but at this mm-hmm. point, they were no idea that there was going to be a... specifics were completely... Uh, it's what TV Tropes calls arc-wielding, where um, they had this line about, you know, the last time it was, you know, vague Asian, you know, stuff. And then they'd put in this thing about how uh, Spike killed a Slayer in the Boxer Rebellion. And then when they came to writing uh, Fool for Love and Darla, they're like, hey, wait a second, how about we put these things together? And not realizing that it's super problematic. It is. Uh, yeah. Um, I guess in Angel's defense, you can say last time he saw Darla, he was having a rough time of it. <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> and and she did have, uh, when we get there, some real 
chinoiserie, I know, not the same country, but that kind of inspired drapey clothing. But yeah, maybe Angel just doesn't know the difference. That yeah, well, I mean, that's the problematic part. <laughs> well, yeah, that's... <laughs> the guy reads a lot, though. You would think True. he would know. Like, he went back and like, oh, I was at that Boxer Rebellion. Let me read a history of it and see how accurate it is. Yeah, I'm so broody. Okay. Rah, rah, rah. <laughs> I actually have to say that's one of my favorite things about Angel is that, you know, he he's, like, super big on reading. Angel's a nerd. He is a nerd. Mm-hmm. He's just one of those nerds who, like, don't believe is a nerd because, like, they're genetically blessed, so why would they need you know what i mean not that yeah. nerds I, that was a really problematic statement i apologize <laughs> you know what i mean not a <laughs> not a nerd that you would expect he's to be a hunky nerd he's a hunky nerd he's a hunky nerd mm-hmm. i mean certainly we won't get into we will get into that more when we get onto angel's own show when he is allowed to um show more nuance to his character other than just being you know the the tall dark you know handsome guy that you know Buffy's in love right. with. Which one of the comments that Buffy made at the beginning where um she's like, What kind of relationship we get could we have? You know, honey, you're in terrible danger. See you next month. I'm like, that's the <laughs> the, the relationship they ended up with, except they added, you know, we can't do this while in the middle of kissing each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that no, that's pretty much it was like she was being a prophecy girl even then. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. And just since I brought it up, the Willow and Buffy conversation at the beginning. Meh. Oh, yeah. Again, Willow and Buffy can only talk about boys. And, like, throughout this entire episode, Buffy and Willow have a couple of conversations, but all of the conversations are about Buffy and Angel and Willow. Or Willow and Xander. Right. Yes. I mean, I get the episode is titled Angel, so I'm going to fully give that a little bit. But at the same time, again, and I checked, the episode does pass the Bechdel test, but only because of Joyce and Darla's conversation about wanting a snack. Yeah. Other than that, it kind of fails miserably. Yeah. And um, the only reason I bring it up is because we are now seven episodes into the series and the longest conversation Buffy has had with a woman who is not her mother um, that doesn't have to do with boys is the conversation with Cordelia when Cordelia is testing whether Buffy should be in her little group of Cordettes. Mm. so i mean granted it is still early days but considering how this show is touted for its feminism it really bothers me that willow and buffy just keep on talking about boys yeah i mean it it absolutely bothers me too and i'm sure it didn't bother me then like oh no it didn't bother me at all at the time now the time this show came out i was getting a woman's studies minor actually but i don't we just weren't looking at things i think the way we really have expanded and i was 22 right probably Mm -hmm. most of my conversations were about boys so i probably was relating a lot more back then but now 20 years on i'm like girls come on can we talk about something else can we talk about your english homework can we talk about i mean i know it's still a guy technically but can you talk about how giles is a pain in the ass you know what i mean like 
or your training routine or your destiny. Yeah. But yeah, I'm sort of like uh, ladies, ladies, ladies. And of course, Willow's Willow's main character trait at this point is, oh, I like Xander so much. Well, she, her character trait is, oh, I like Xander so much. And Buffy, let's talk about you and your, you know, an angel. Yeah. Like when they're actually talking about Angel as Angelus. And then Willow suddenly pipes up with, it must have been so embarrassing when you thought he had read your diary. I'm like, Willow, kind of get the fuck with it. <laughs> I mean, it was yes. so twee that I just like, and I mean, I'm. Uh, I don't know if I've talked about this, but when I first started watching the show, Willow was my unquestioned favorite character on the show. Um, it did go downhill from there. Um, I loved Willow and then later on, and maybe that colors me going back and watching it now, but, or it's also just the fact that I'm 33 going back and watching this 16 year old who really does act like they make her just so cute. You can't stand it. You know, you're going to, you know, sicken up a kitten with how adorable (laughs) she is. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think because I'm paying really close attention to these episodes, because again, I've marathoned these a gazillion times. I'm really noticing these sort of patterns and i'm like wow you are driving me crazy right now why did i love you so much because you are cute like a bucket of kittens being put forward for poker but and also to be fair we are currently watching this for the purpose of analysis yeah true as opposed to just watching a tv show you know i mean there is a difference to that (laughs) no for sure Later I'm not- on, I know I'm going to lighten up on Willow a little bit. Um, I, I will admit, I actually went ahead and I watched a couple of episodes from the second season just because <sighs> I really needed to watch some more Buffy. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, it's going to be weeks before we get to them, so it's okay. I can watch them again then. Uh, and yeah, I do like her a lot more later on when we actually start to get more um, mm-hmm. more character into her. And next week is a the first Willow yes, episode. Next week. So right, uh, I, we'll be talking a lot about Willow next next week. Obviously, yeah. But right, right now, her absolute flat character and just having her be like Buffy's super cute little cheerleader is just like, uh, just don't say words. Just, and the only thing yeah. saving it is Allison Hannigan. No, Allison Hannigan's adorable, and I mean she's. Uh, she's a good mm-hmm. actress um, and her line delivery is so unique and so interesting that you know I know we've talked about the unaired pilot before and I'm sure that was a very lovely human being playing that role and I give her no shade but she wasn't a good actress you know she just wasn't what they were looking for and I know that Joss and several producers have said that the way Ali Hannigan read it just really kind of changed and shaped that character. Yeah. Um, and at this point, seven episodes in, I don't think they quite want to quite know where they're, they are going with Willow yet. Yeah. Oh, I mean, they don't know what they're doing with a lot of stuff. Like, True. um, when the, yeah, I think the, that's, the three that's are, the co- thing. when the three are coming after, uh, Buffy and Angel, they're able to stick their hands into Buffy's house. There's not the barrier there that, um, will come up in later seasons when mm. vampires aren't invited yeah. in. Mm. Uh, and apparently you don't need much of an invitation either. Yeah. Because she she barely, inv- I mean, like, 
calling that an invitation for Angel to come in, that's kind of pushing it. Yeah, well... Th- I mean, obviously it works, but... <laughs> that does come up later on. I mean, uh, in uh, Room with a View on Angel, Cordelia doesn't even have a place, and she's like, you're totally invited over once I find a place. And it works. <laughs> it so. does. I, right. Yeah, that... I love these shows, Buffy and Angel, so much, but they did not keep a very good, consistent show Bible. Yeah. You know, of of the rules. And that's okay. I'm fine with that. Um, Also, sunlight, right? Like, when does it hurt you through a window? When does it not hurt you through a window? Yeah, it's, they always, it kind of ends up being, it's indirect. So basically, you have to be standing, like, right underneath the sun to, for it to, yeah, it has to be, like, direct sunlight, yeah. which I think is not actually unheard of yeah. in vampire lore. Well, in so. uh, not all vampire lore is sunlight actually fatal. I mean, in some of it, vampires right. are just stronger at night. In some of it, the mm-hmm. sun does weaken them a little bit, but doesn't kill them. So, I mean, it's it can be played. Sometimes the vampires sparkle. Sorry, oh, and God. sometimes no, 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 no. they wear no, sunscreen <laughs> so they don't get burned during the day. Yeah. I'm looking at you, Blade. <laughs> uh, and actually, uh, one thing I found out in my research was that it was actually not until this episode that I knew that Angel was going to be a vampire. Really? Uh, yeah. Uh, Angel was supposed to be a mysterious tra- stranger with ties to the supernatural that. Uh, his family was killed off by vampires. And Joss didn't want to go the vampire route because he thought it was going to be cliche. But then when <laughs> it actually came to doing this episode, they said, do you know what? We need to go cliche on this because this is the only way it's actually going to work. Um, which is right. the right way to go. Um, and actually, yep. uh, Marty Noxon said that this episode is the one that made her realize that Buffy was not just, you know, some crappy little failed show based off of a failed movie that it was actually going to be Mm -hmm. something really special which i would agree with i mean back when i was first watching it i think that this was just another episode to me because i was already pot committed at this point but going back and rewatching it now i'm like no this is definitely where everything changes it is and i i i think i've said before i wasn't like like i i kept liking it and i was like 50% 50% in. Actually, it's about 75% in in the pilot. And at this point, by Angel, I'm like 96.965 <laughs> in. And by Prophecy Girl, I'm like 400% in and will be for the next 20 years. Yeah, I was going to so. say, where are you now? Like 1,050? <laughs> right. It's like infinity times infinity plus a whole bunch of infinity. You know, how in I am on this. But mm-hmm. Well, there are different kinds of infinity. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I majored in math for six months. It's there you go. And, you know, I have a major in theater, English, and women's studies, and I'm now a social worker. So, you know, math, not my thing. But you yeah. can be our math expert. Okay. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the, the, but the thing is, you know, you talk about Angel being a vampire being a cliché. I often say, you know, when people talk about cliches, it's like, you know, cliches are cliches for a reason. Exactly. Yeah. Because they sometimes, because they work. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and sometimes, yes, you use a cliche and it's just cliche. Mm-hmm. But there are times when 
No, it's it's the right way to go. Well, I mean, I think there's a difference between a cliche and a trope. And I think that Angel being mm-hmm. a vampire is actually a trope. And tropes aren't bad things. Um, tropes are just, you know, they're tools for storytelling. Cliches mm-hmm. are, you know, mm-hmm. there's a bit more of a stigma to it. But, yeah, um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I suspect tropes can be bad if they're overused. Yeah. But I, I mean, like, but that's the thing. It's like both cliches and tropes have their pluses and minuses. So it's you know it again like any with any kind of piece of art, if you will. It's like you need to use the right elements. Mm-hmm. And if something that you're that is the right element happens to be something that's used a lot, if it's still the right element, then that's what you use. Yeah, and definitely Angel being a vampire. What comes from it makes it right. By making Angel a vampire, what comes later, that's what makes it really the right move. Basically, going from Angel to Surprise and Innocence, that's what makes it the right move to to do. Uh, Mm -hmm. Because... Yeah, I mean, if it had just been, oh, Angel's a vampire, and then that was it. Yeah. If it's just, you know, but like, they kind did of, something with it. The, oh, you know, we can't be together, you know, forbidden love, forbidden love. Uh, but they they do something with it. They turn him into a bad guy. Then they make it, we can't be together. And they actually have them not be able to be together. Yeah, I mean, and I, thinking back on it, I didn't feel this was super tropey back in the day. Yeah, I mean, it was the elements of the forbidden romance and one is a being and is a mortal and there's definitely that. But this trope, it, this is the legacy of the modern version of this trope. And you're going to see it again and again with <clears throat> Twilight, the Vampire Diaries. You're going to see it with a lot of supernatural romance. And it was there before Buffy, obviously, Mm-hmm. But it really, it really had a huge influence, I think, on that teen supernatural, like I said, romance genre, and it was sort of the big dog of it. Yeah, no, I mean, I was just looking up to see uh, what the good guy vampires where this, where this this kind of trope came from, and the only one that I can really see in terms of television shows that came before uh buffy was uh, forever night which is not a show that i'm terribly familiar with i watched it a smidge but yeah didn't yeah it was all right it was okay i did write in my notes i the the i have to take my shirt off because i'm wounded trope that one never gets old it's a classic <laughs> <laughs> so i wrote about tropes as i was watching through the Okay. Through the episode, I'm like, yep, that one never gets old. <sighs> also, the okay. we're trapped in this room, so we have to sleep in the same room, and it's uh, super yeah. awkward trope. The um, blanket scenario. Yeah, I actually made a note about how that entire scene was basically um, a fanfic prompt. Oh, totally. Absolutely. <laughs> they didn't sleep in the same bed. But besides that, yeah, it's it's very classic trope, and one yeah. that I like very much. <laughs> It's one of my um, favorites. And granted, like, there is a reason for it, but why did Buffy not question at all why Angel had to stay at her place throughout the entire day? Like, well, you know, they never really, uh, they really never address the question of 
him having to do that. Yeah, like, I mean, he he stayed there overnight. He just does. He stayed there overnight because they were worried about the three being out there. So he should have been able to go home the next day. We know why he didn't. Buffy didn't at the time. Right, yeah, there was no reason for him not to just climb out the window after Buffy left and he didn't think Joyce was listening and maybe be and on also, his merry way. Why the hell does Joyce still clean up Buffy's room at 16? I don't know. Because you have to set I mean, up the diary gag. Yeah. I I know they had to do that, but I was just like, oh my she, god. She doesn't seriously? trust Buffy to do it herself? I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of stuff she doesn't trust Buffy with. That's it's true. because yeah. Joyce wanted to make sure Buffy wasn't having an affair with Ahmed, the char- charming foreign exchange student. That's it. Yes. She's super worried about Ahmed because Joyce is problematic. Yes. I'm still waiting for the Ahmed spinoff series. Absolutely. Ah, oh, that would so, never yeah. happen. That would mean that we would have people of color in the Buffyverse. For sure. Anyone that's allowed. I know. I'm sorry. Did that sound bitter? <laughs> no, not at all. Because I'm sure that'll some something we will get into. It is oh, yeah. a pretty white bread show. Oh yeah. Yeah. Angel uh, is a little bit better, but only by a couple percent. And that couple percent mm-hmm. is Charles Gunn. No, I said, well, you know, I, I'm interested. It's good that you you list you you wrote down lots of notes about tropes because I, of course, I have nitpicks all over the place. I've got so many nits to pick, but I have a couple of nits that. to pick also. So I did write down a few of the picky nits. Yeah, it's yeah. I don't know. They're they're just like I I I get I get caught up in these like things like that doesn't make sense or like no that contradicts what happened before like and and they're just things that don't i i don't get like when darla goes to to attack joyce yes we first see her outside the window in vamp face yeah why does she vamp up when she's about to devamp to knock on the door because drama because drama, yeah, I, yeah, but it just it yeah. doesn't No, I mean, it's really and stupid. The better to smell you with, my dear? I don't know. I guess. And and then, like, Buffy at some point, when they're, uh, she's talking to Giles and Willow and, and uh, Xander, she says, you know, I I invited him into my house after I knew what he was. And it's like, no, you no, didn't. You, didn't. <laughs> I, you know. And why does Darla call him Angel when she dies? Wouldn't she have called him Angelus? Probably. Yes. Very much probably. Yeah. So, okay, that's that's the bulk of my oh, Well, I think at this point they <laughs> hadn't really established, like, when he stopped going by Angelus. Uh, that's true. But she, call, she does call him Angelus earlier in yeah. the episode. So, yeah, I mean, and, and, and yes, yeah, I, I guess there's the oh, they didn't write that yet, but still, it's like, eh. Um, there's also, why does she change into the red outfit? That blue outfit was working just fine. You know, was red eviler? Uh, maybe she's a big Mary Tyler Moore fan? I don't know. Um. <laughs> and why, what, how did Buffy know that she needed to hunt Angel at the bronze? Well, she... Well, what happens is she's going past the bronze and she hears 
like a window break or something. Okay, I guess I've never heard the window break in all these years. Yeah, but there's I'm like, like a what, noise. What? Because, like, and the reason is because we only have three sets at this point, so let's use the well, third yes. one. But I was like, really? Mm-hmm. Okay, I guess it makes a nice set piece. My big nitpick, and it's a, it's a small nitpick, is the auto tune on the anointed one. They're yeah. obviously doing something yeah. digital with his voice. I'm like, what? Yeah, which they drop later on. Yeah, later on he just sounds normal. In fact, I, I'm not absolutely sure they use it at the early part of the episode. I think they do. I I I I, I, I noticed it at the end of the mm-hmm. episode, and I went. That I don't think they used. I I could be wrong. I didn't actually go back and check, but uh, but it, it 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 jumped out at me in the end of the episode. So I was thinking, oh, maybe they didn't use it earlier. And I don't think they use it again. I think they were trying something, and we're like, yeah, yeah that and did. Then they went, and they watched it and went, yeah, yeah that didn't work. So, but yeah. it was super annoying from the anointed one. Well. He is the annoying one. He is one. the annoying it one. Is... Yeah, keeping an eye on continuity, as I always do. Um, the master yeah. um, laments how, you know, Angelus is not with him any longer and how he wants mm-hmm. to get him back. And later on, we'll find out that's not what the master and Angelus's relationship was. Right, not at all. At all. Like, <laughs> the master fucking hated Angelus. Yeah, I, I, I think, I, I mean, if you want an explanation, I think... This may be him looking at the history with rose-colored glasses, yeah. and he's just concentrating on how vicious a creature he was, yeah. and it's like, oh, he was so vicious. Good boy. <laughs> As opposed to, I actually liked him. Right. <laughs> he was so good at killing things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I miss um, living above ground and killing things. And then how yeah. long has Darla been living there at the Hellmouth with him? Oh, that's a good question. It's a they long time. I was really try- I was question. looking through timelines of Darla, Darla's yeah. timelines, and it said something, and I can't find that link again. Um, about yeah, Darla moves to the Hellmouth with the Master because he's been there for a hundred years. Yeah, well, I don't think they've actually like said canonically when darla moves back but i would assume it's probably after the boxer rebellion because the only reason she left mm-hmm. was to be with angelus mm-hmm. uh and right. when well, she tosses yeah, him but- out i doubt she'd want to hang out with spike and joe no yeah but she also might not necessarily want to go back to- i mean i yeah i mean she might i mean it's definitely after that yeah. but there's i don't think there's any I don't know that we ever get an indication of how long after that. Well, how long has he, he's been trapped in the collapsed church since when? Oh, I should know this question. I should know this. It's uh, well, we'll move along and I'll look that up while y'all talk. Okay. Around um, 1880, uh, the Darla comes back. Um, and in... Oh, that's when Darla comes back. Yes. Oh, okay. And it looks like in 1937, he ends up uh, trapped. He ends up trapped, yeah. So she's been with him since then. Like, she's been living in Sunnydale since the 1930s. Yeah. With the master. Mm. I mean, she can come and go and go upstairs and all that stuff. Yeah. But, you know. 
I would love to right. know the, and we never will, but um, I'd love to know the circumstances of the actual how he got trapped, the story behind it, what, you know, I want to know about more of the Master and Darla's relationship, too. Well, um, honestly, I think it'd be fascinating. of the comics, which I am not a fan of the continuation comics, but I would give, you know, my, you know, right eye for comics on the um, the whirlwind's history, the history of the Order of Aurelius. Like, get into the backstory of Darla. Yeah. Just, just like a graphic novel, which is just all about Darla. I'd be down for that. I'd be super into that. I'm kind of surprised they haven't done it because it seems kind of obvious. Yeah. Or like novel, you know, I've really, and I've mentioned this, I've really been enjoying reading these Tales of the Slayer books yeah. that were tie-ins mm. because they're not about Buffy. Not that I don't yeah. love Buffy. But they're not. They're like, And they're each novellas. Each one has four to six little novellas in them with all these different Slayers. And I know it's not canonical, but it doesn't really matter because... It never shows up in the comics. It never, it's just these really cool stories by some pretty cool writers. And I'm finding it really, really fascinating to think about how this has gone down for other slayers and how different our Buffy is. Yeah. Are they still doing Buffy the Vampire Slayer novels? No. Mm -mm. Uh, I didn't think so. No, these Tales of the Slayer books are from the run of the show. Yeah, I thought so. I, I guess like the only Buffy that they have now is the comic books which yeah or fan comics. fiction <laughs> well yes yeah, i'll read all those stuff. novelizations all day long uh one of the things about this episode is that not only is this really the start of buffy and angel's relationship but this is like a i mean it's not the start of angel and darla's relationship but it kind of is. I mean, like, this is actually, like, a huge deal in the relationship of Angel and Darla that will go on through uh, season three of Angel, so f- over several years. And mm. so this is, like, uh, actually getting to see, like, Angel uh, rather than Angelus and Darla interact with each other in a modern setting. Um and I ship them so fucking hard. So, Darla and Angel. Yes. Okay. Well, is that no? Really I can see it. Considering no, who not, my favorite character is, not surprising to me that you ship them so hard. Yeah. Um, um, just for our listeners, my favorite character is Connor Angel. <laughs> so, yes, I do ship his parents. Of and course you do. All of our listeners. Bye. It was nice <laughs> meeting you. Um, yeah, that's okay. I I I ship Buffy with Dean from Supernatural. So oh, there we go. There's the other half of the listeners we just had are all gone now. Bye. Nice to meet you. You know, I had actually come up with a um, Buffy Supernatural crossover, which I kind of wanted to write, which is basically like the Hellmouths Hunter. And it's all about there being a hunter living in Sunnydale whose job is specifically to get rid of all of the bodies and all of the, you know, oh, demon corpses. And so it's basically like just it. this hunter who's acting as cleanup crew for Buffy. I like <laughs> it. That's Buffy a- never knows. That'd be a great story. I'd really enjoy that, actually. Um, yeah. So, you know, we all connect with what we connect with. And I remember really connecting with this whole buffy angel thing mm-hmm. back in the day you know I, a lot of times and i'm heavily into fandom i'm not gonna be ashamed of loving reading 
fic, but a lot of times if someone presents something in front of me, I'm probably going to buy into it unless it's just mm-hmm. the worst. Uh, that's kind of how I am with TV uh, and movies a lot of times. I'm like, okay, you want us to buy into Buffy and Angel's relationship? Cool. Full steam ahead. You know that. Well, that's the thing. It's, it's, I mean, that's the, I mean, that's what they're, sh- that's the, what they're putting out there. Mm-hmm. And so unless, unless your suspension of disbelief is violated, you'll probably go along with yeah. that. Uh, well, when I was first watching the show, uh, I hated Buffy and Angel. I could not stand them. And I couldn't stand Angel as a character until we got to Innocence. We actually got to see Angelus. Uh, but going back and rewatching it now and knowing that there is an end in sight, I am able to actually appreciate the moments of them being together. Because if Buffy and Angel do, do not have a tragic ending, then this type of thing would be, like, super tedious. Oh, absolutely. And uh, it's interesting because as I was sort of looking around and researching and stuff for this episode, I got lost in a hole of, you know, who liked what and who liked what relationship and who didn't. And David Boreanaz and Sarah Michelle Gellar love Buffy and Angel together. They think that should have been everything and end game and they still tweet at each other she's like immortality looks great on you happy birthday to my angel and he says that she and emily de chanel were like his two favorite co-stars of all time and for you know so they they were heavily invested in this and i think that actually is really interesting with what plays out between all of it so they were and that's maybe why the relationship works in these first couple of seasons is because those two were really, really invested. In, in terms of like uh, Sarah, who she shipped, I actually read that uh, at the time of this episode, she really thought that uh, Joss was going to go with Buffy and Xander getting together. She was really? absolutely positive huh. that it was going to end up being Buffy and Xander. And later on in season seven, actually, she did... Uh, uh, pitched the idea of Buffy and Xander hooking up, but uh, the they didn't. They wanted to continue doing the Buffy and Spike thing. So, yeah, I well, I I have in my notes, shut up, Xander. So I yeah. I'm, now we are after after watching this episode. Okay, <laughs> I need to bring this up. What, doing my research for this episode, I found some cut dialogue, and this ah, uh. this is from Xander. Love sucks. Ever since I was in grammar school, it's the same old dance. You dig someone, they dig someone else. And then that someone else digs someone else. Then Willow says, that's the dance. And Sanders says, me, I mean, I'm the right, I'm right for her. I'm the guy. I know it. She's so stupid. She's not stupid, but it's too much. We're such good buds, but I'm, I'm this close to her and she doesn't have a clue how I feel and she wouldn't care and wouldn't care if she did. It's killing me. Oh my wow. god. Yes. Shut up, Xander. Yeah. Um, I am so glad they cut this out because Xander has just encapsulated what the friend zone is. Oh yeah. Yeah, no, that's Absolutely. That's just this is like, like the, uh, the friend zone distilled. Should we just retitle the, the podcast Shut Up, Xander? <laughs> I think you it's... said that last week. <laughs> no, last week I think, no, last week was the pack, so it was for the love of God, Xander Lavelle Harris. Why? 
But uh, no, this is just like Sandra. Just, just don't talk. Never, ever, ever talk again. Which, yeah, I'm. I love him so much. I'm back. And as usual, as soon as I say that, I feel bad because I do like Xander, but he's just like, no, for God's sake, stop it. Yeah, I mean, and there was a moment at the beginning of the episode where. Buffy and Willow or blah 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 boys where Xander's on the dance floor just being freaking adorable. He right? Really He's doing is. that. And and you know what? I find guys and gals, but guys stereotypically, that don't care what they look like when they dance to be incredibly charming. Yeah, right? It's no, it's showing so something cute. about them. And then he goes and starts Slut you know, shaming Cordelia. Slut shaming Cordelia and you know, saying, Oh, guys would do anything to impress a girl. I'm like, really, you mean yourself, Xander, project much? You know, and really going after Buffy to like, oh no, no, no just kill him. It'll be cool. I know you'll be sad, but it'll be cool. Just just kill the guy. Yeah. So yeah. No, he is uh... I am trying to figure out when I am going to start liking Xander. Because, well, I know when I first watched the show, I liked Xander. Me too. And I'm like... Well, he has a lot of the good lines. Yeah. So that's why, like, if you're, like, if your brain's not on, you like Xander because he's the funny one. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And again, we've said it before, and I'm sure we'll say it a million more times. Nikki Brandon Mm -hmm. is charming. Yeah. He's charming. And again... Like, the reason we like Willow at this point is Ellie Hannigan is adorable, yeah. and Nikki Brandon is charming, and mm-hmm. they're doing more than the writing is giving them to imbue some really good character in these, you know, folks that they're playing. Yeah. And I think that's probably what I credit with me liking these characters so much in 1997. And, I mean, that also might contribute to the fact of why I liked Xander and Willow when I first started watching the show, but I didn't like Angel. David Boreanaz was not a good actor up until, well, uh, in his first couple of episodes, so he really did not grab me. Uh, meanwhile, they did grab me, but now that I'm watching it back with an analytical eye, I'm like, you guys are really not awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, and I, you know, I have in my notes that during the Buffy Willow talk, it's like, We've seen a little jealousy from Xander. We've seen a teeny tiny bit of pining from Buffy. But even in that conversation, she's really just lamenting the general lack of boys in her life. Yeah. Not as specifically. And she even complains that Angel wouldn't be a great relationship because of the cryptic thing and the, you know, honey, you're in trouble. See you a month later. And then all of a sudden, by the middle of this episode, you're like, yep, yep, those are the two. Doomed lovers, I'm in. I'm a hundred percent in on this, and I and I think it is. It's a shift in the acting. It's some really great chemistry between the actors, for sure. Um, I don't know. I don't know. And I think part of it's also the writing because I think they know what they want to do with this now. Yeah. I think up till now it's been sort of like, uh, yeah, we'll play with this. And now they've, like, made a decision. Really thinking about it, considering how back in the day I really complained about Buffy and Angel, like, pining after each other. By this point, actually, Willow has spent much more time pining after Xander than pined after Angel. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, that. I mean, and I think it is David Greenwald, and he's going to be a huge part of the Joss verse. Yeah. And, you know, have, we'll write some of more, some of the better episodes of Angel, except yeah. for The Wit. Well, no, he directed The Wish. He didn't write it. But he, he writes some pretty decent Buffy ones. But he also wrote some not so great ones. But then he gets over to Angel, which was really his baby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I don't know what I'm trying to say. I just lost my train of thought. You're just never going to you're never going to forgive him for teacher's pet. No, ever, (laughs) ever, ever, ever. Um, I just pulled up a list of the episodes that he did. Um, Yeah, that's what I'm looking at right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's going to do a super important episode coming up uh, in season two. He does the first episode with Spike and Drew. He does School Hard, Um, and then he'll he'll do the first episode that introduces Faith. and yeah, I mean, he does the pilot of of Angel and some of the really manger episodes of. Well, uh, and he Angel. he writes, "I will remember you," which is like the most soul crushing Buffy and Angel episode ever. I rewatched that episode, and I'm gonna have a lot to say when we finally get to that about a year from now. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I will I'm look gonna, forward I'm to a, that. I'm gonna have a lot of things to say. Uh, so yeah, I mean, he he's definitely he's he knows what he's doing. I, I teacher's pet I will always hate and his resume prior to that I will not be crazy about, but he's very influential in our little universe here, so I will give him props yeah. for that. And I I suspect he just had to find his niche. Honestly, he he did write like two of the worst episodes of both on both the shows because he also wrote She, which is like one of the oh, most it's terrible. That was yeah, ever made. it's pretty bad. Um, oh God, I forgot. That's that a great one. one to watch with the sound off and just stare at Biling. Like, I'm like, hmm, pretty. Um, but other than that, yeah, that's a terrible episode. We'll get there. We'll get to that. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll get we there will in get like there. Uh, three years, four years. <laughs> no, actually, I worked it out. Um, we'll be able to get through the first three seasons of Buffy in about a year and a month. Yeah, I'll, yeah. So back to the a- episode Angel. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, oh! This episode, <laughs> oh, this yeah. episode not not back the television season show. Season one of Buffy. <laughs> okay, here's something I wanted to talk about. Yes. Angel has always been super suicidal, yeah? Yes. I mean, this, this, I mean, in this episode, really is that very first hint of how absolutely his death wish. You know, he's trying to goad Buffy into killing him. Yeah. Well, I, I have some thoughts about that, yeah. too. But go um, yeah, and then, you know, share your thoughts on that. The thing that sort of jumped out at me is, like, the point where she's got the crossbow aimed at him, and he's, like, you know, looking at her, he's like, you know, go ahead. And, you know, and then he devamps. And I'm like, that strikes me as a bad strategy if you're trying to get her to kill you. True. I mean, he's wishy-washy in his death wish sometimes, but I think it's it's very much an underlying component of Angel's psychology mm-hmm. that sort of oh, yeah. 
the lostness, the the lack of. Pro- Obviously, he's spent up until he's come to Sunnydale, af- coming after Buffy, because he's seen her once before. He's been in an absolute nothing life. You're living in alleys eating rats. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. he hasn't had much of a. Well, he only did that since 1975. Yeah, when he okay, yeah, stay away from people. But no, I would actually, yeah, I think that Angel has actually had a death wish his entire existence. If you go back and look at him when he was still Liam, he was drunken. He was getting in fights. He he he, Mm. he basically saw no value in his life. And when he becomes Angelus. He still doesn't find any value in his unlife. Uh, he, you know, plays, you know, sunlight games with Spike to, you know, see who's the bigger man. And later on, when we see him, um, Angelus come back, it's all like, hey, let's destroy the world. It doesn't matter that, you know, I'm a vampire, which is low on the totem pole, so that mm-hmm. I will probably end up being destroyed. He just literally does not care. He is just entirely nihilistic it's his existence yeah. doesn't matter yeah no absolutely and i again it's good writing and it's good planning to really set that up here and that that boy he has really poor self-esteem and i think he could really benefit from narrative therapy which i'm more than glad to offer him at a very discounted rate <laughs> i don't think <laughs> angel really starts to value ex- his existence until he gets onto his own show and he discovers his own. Yeah. He is no longer the um, boyfriend of the chosen one. He yeah. ends up becoming a champion in his own right. While Angel on Buffy is able to hold his own in, in a fight, uh, he needs to be able to eventually get out from under her shadow and fight on his own to be able to find his own self-worth and be, you know... His own champion. Right. And I'm, I'd also like to point out that Buffy, you can see the Death Wish starting there, too. Yeah. She offers her neck. She does. She yeah. offers her neck, which will not be the first time she's going to, the last time she's going to offer her neck to a vampire. But um, she's already starting with her. I don't know this. I think it's when I think this episode, again, is a huge game changer and. Buffy's outlook on life is changing just within that moment and the complexity of entering in a relationship with Angel. And, uh, you know, she's 16, so a lot of it can be chalked up to 16-year-old infatuation and thinking the world is going to end if she doesn't do a thing or kiss a boy. I don't know if before this Buffy has really had a realistic perspective on her own mortality as the Slayer. She knows it intellectually. Over the course of these seven seasons, she's going to lo- know it a lot more internally. And that's that's one of Buffy's major defining factors. And sometimes why she makes me really sad because I'm like, no, Buffy, you're super capable and you're really bright and you don't give yourself an... Again, I will offer you therapy at a very discounted rate um, since I don't have my license. But yeah, I, I can see that sort of parallel between Buffy and Angel at this point. Yeah. This is one of the first episodes since we had Buffy really accept her destiny. Uh, she kind of only does it in Never Kill a Boy on the First Date, mm-hmm. uh, which is only two episodes back at this point. Right. Uh, 
So, I mean, mm-hmm. we didn't really have a chance to get into it during the pack because the pack is not about Buffy, it's about Xander. So this episode is one where we really see her acting as the vampire slayer after she's had that conversation with Giles about, I'm going to be the slayer. So I think that, you know, ties into this whole death wish thing that you mentioned. And we're going to get it in Fool for Love where Spike says outright that all slayers have a death wish. And Buffy has reached that point where she is officially the Slayer now, and she is a Slayer with a death wish. And like you said, she is 16 years old, and things with romance are life and death. And I think somewhere in the very back of Buffy's mind, there is the idea of, if a Slayer's gotta die, I wanna die by the man I'm going- by the man that I love. Um... Good points all, yeah. So their their death wishes are fighting against each other. For sure. And then in the midst of all of this, Darla's like, I don't want to die. I want my boyfriend back. And I want to Mm -hmm. do kinky things with him. Let me get rid of this girl with guns. Yeah, I was actually thinking, is this the first time we've seen guns in the show? Yes, it is. And it will be the last time we see them for a very long time. Yeah. Uh, and is it the first slow motion shot? No, because we got the slow motion power walk in the pack. Right, and we had a slow motion oh, power right. walk in the in the. Oh yeah, yeah, with Darla's fan gang going in. Lots of slow motion power walks. It is the nineties. Okay. Um, but I yeah, the guns just really liked them. Slow motion power walks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. was a thing. I mean, I have to say, like the slow motion shot of Angel attacking Buffy here, I, I actually don't think works very well. I think a lot of filmically, a lot of the stuff when they get into the bronze doesn't work very well. It's very dark. Mm-hmm. I mean, I yeah. know I've, I've complained that season one is pretty dark, but it had gotten a little better. And again, the like slow mo John Woo stuff is really the yeah. rest of the episode is so solid. And there's some really good writing within this section, but like the the film, the cinematography is really it's it doesn't work for me. Yeah, this yeah, I mean, well, the bronze. I mean, I guess, I I, I guess it's legitimate that the bronze would be dark, but yeah, it doesn't look good. No, no, it's just yeah, it's just ugly. It's just like ugly. It's just an ugly looking episode in many ways. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. such good content such ugly actual visual quality. I think I need to dig out my DVD of the killer now. Uh, just uh, <laughs> speaking of the beauty of this episode, I would like to talk about the end of this episode because this episode ending was so fucking beautiful. And like I say that as somebody who does not ship Buffy and Angel, but the ending of them together kissing at the bronze with um it's i'll remember you by sophie zomani playing Mm. is so gorgeous it really is it really Uh, is i mean granted the way angel's chest gets burned would not actually happen it's like the angle is completely wrong (laughs) i was i was thinking that yeah (laughs) but still it's like oh my heart just like tear it like out of my chest (laughs) show it to me still beating because it's such a beautiful scene uh that i actually Mm -hmm. welled up a little bit i always Um, do i think at the end of that 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 works really well it does it does yeah yeah i I, speaking speaking of that scene um 
I not only it's it's in that scene, but on the DVD, it's also the line that's used when it goes into that into the menu for that episode, uh, where she says, "You're like 224 years older than I am." Like, how problematic do we think that is? <laughs> okay, well, if, I mean, yes, I mean, Angel and Buffy are problematic, even if he's not a vampire. Angel was 26 right. when he was turned. Mm-hmm. So, right. I mean, even without the vampire thing, he's 10 years older than Buffy. Mm-hmm. Just physically. Um, now, I mean, like, vampires with humans, it's... it's a, Well, that's problematic it's a, in the beginning. It's a trope. That's... It's been around yeah. forever. It will be around forever. Yeah. Um... I don't know. I mean, yes, it's problematic, but it's it's there. Yeah, I yeah, I I kind of don't know how to feel about it. Yeah. to be honest, it's like it's. I mean, it's it reflects a a potential real world concern, yeah. mm-hmm. but in such an exaggerated way that I don't know how seriously to take that. Yeah, like, I mean, how come Joyce is not sitting Buffy's ass down, like? immediately and instead like angel is there and she's like yeah i'm gonna go up to bed you know say good night and it's like no joyce you sit buffy's ass down and tell her it's like okay he's obviously not tutoring you you're obviously into him and he's and he's obviously not a freshman at community college yeah well (laughs) yes well well remember with joyce you know denial is not just a river in egypt this is not just denial about the supernatural. This is just complete disinterest in Buffy's life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm i sorry. It's a red flag as a parent when, you know, your kid is spending 75% of her time with a sexy librarian. <laughs> you know, who shows up at your bedside in the hospital. And she's like, oh, what a great school you go to. It's so great yes. that we, you know, I'm like, dude. Yes, dude. I, that's her reaction. Yeah, I really that's... like that your description of Giles is sexy librarian. Well, I mean, it's 125% another... accurate. <laughs> is, I mean, is there a different description of Giles? No, I mean, that's like sexy librarian, <laughs> you know, the hottest man ever to wear tweed. <laughs> I can go on and on, oh, and I freak out. Oh, Alexis off doesn't look bad. Not yeah, quite say, not but... quite. No, not as good as Tony Head. Yeah. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean, she. I mean, I guess everybody. I mean, the kids all certainly seem to think Giles is old and gross. Really. Joyce likes him. Yeah. Or will. Will, or at least for yeah. a moment or two. But yeah, I mean, yeah, she's not paying any attention she's like well you better leave now it's time to stop studying you know and then the hot librarian shows them she's like what a great school y'all care so much buffy talks about you all the time and i'm like and i'm i'm in the back room going don't stand don't stand so close to me <laughs> don't sing it i am willing to excuse the giles stuff but the angel stuff really stands out to me because it's like oh Uh, come on joyce like are you really that like you're really gonna let this go and then later on she does give buffy shit 
for not telling her about her relationship with Angel. And it's like, Joyce, do you have fucking eyes? Like, the, the first moment, it's like, of course they're like it, a, a thing together. And at one point in the second season, they're going to be making out in Buffy's window. Mm-hmm. And Joyce is there at the time because Buffy's grounded. So it's like, Joyce, just pay attention. Damn it. I know. And yeah. it was just so bizarre because I end up loving Joyce so much. You know, everybody. And I. Joyce only really starts to become tolerable, tolerable in season three. When, when uh, she finds out and yeah. she's able to accept and, and do all that stuff and. Yeah, she's actually kind of inconsistently portrayed in this season. Yeah. And and not very positively portrayed, really. I think part of the reason for that is because Joss originally did not want to have Buffy's parents in this at all. He wanted uh, Giles to be the only adult presence, uh, which Mm -hmm. thankfully he goes back on in several ways. I mean, not only do we Mm -hmm. see Joyce, but then eventually we get more adults in the form of Miss Calendar, who is coming next week, Mm -hmm. and I'm so excited about I know, I love Jenny. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yes. So... And now you you bring up Don't Stand So Close to Me, and I'm feeling really old, because I saw that tour. Oh, <laughs> awesome. I saw yeah. I saw Sting in, like, 91 when he was on tour, mm. but... Yeah, no, I, that I didn't see. He did do I, that song. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know. Absolutely. No, but I, I, I saw the Zenyatta Mandata tour. It was... Tom Robinson's Sector 27 opened. Paul Carrick played piano for the intermission. And then uh, the police came on. That's uh, probably one of the best shows I've ever seen, actually. <laughs> yeah, that sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah I saw I, I saw him in '91 with Concrete Blonde opening. So that's how '90s that concert was. Ah, um, that's pretty '90s. Yeah, but I I had another note. Oh, I have like it's a nitpick. Okay, it's a big nitpick. Um, doesn't she throw Angel through a window? Yep. Like, and Xander does not have the carpentry skills to fix that quite yet. So, how... Joyce, you are a very neglectful parent. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I guess it happened off screen. The, you know, Buffy getting in trouble for breaking a window of their house. Joyce, you need... you need some ADD meds. This is, you are really not observant. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So yeah, that's the other thing. I'm like, really? The broken mm-hmm. window in the front that's never, yeah. ever talked about again. Yeah. My other nitpick, well, it's, it's a structural nitpick, is uh, they have the thing where Giles realizes that it wasn't Angel that bit Joyce when she mentions Darla. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, first of all, when she said, you know, your friend came over yeah and it's like if you ever watch the uh, everything wrong with videos by cinema sins one of the things they always go on about is the pronoun game and this is like a variation on the pronoun game it's like you know you could have mentioned a name you're you're just the only reason this happens is because you don't say the name yeah and but then when he says it to to giles by the time i mean like by the time giles gets there and with willow and xander Buffy already knows this. Mm-hmm. So there's like, narratively, there is no reason for them to be there. 
I mean, I mean, they at some point they shout out, "Watch out, Buffy!" or something, and that's like her their only purpose for. Yeah, being no, there. Willow. Uh, there's like we got to distract her, and Willow shouts out, "Buffy, it wasn't Angel who bit your mom; it was Darla." Right, and I was like, "One, you are not distracting Darla; you're distracting Buffy while she's being shot at." And two, it doesn't well, yeah. fucking matter. Why are you yelling this? Yeah, no, I mean that was yes. yeah, it was no, that... it was not good. Uh, I, I'm tempted. I'm tempted to think that was a bit of padding. Yeah, maybe. Uh, maybe. So I have a couple of uh, facts for this episode. Uh, okay, facts. Facts. Yes. Well, do we deal in facts here? We do deal in facts. Um, this is the first episode to be named after a character. Uh, there mm. is going to be eleven more between, or ten more. This is the eleventh. There will be ten more between both Buffy and Angel. Uh, the other ones are Ted, Anne, Faith, Hope, and Mister Trick. Buffy versus Dracula, Darla, Disharmony, Fredless, Billy, The Cautionary Tale of Numero Cinco, and Harm's Way. Hmm. It took 60 to 90 minutes to apply David Boreanaz's prosthetics. I'm hoping that they ended up whittling that down later on uh, by the time he got onto his own show. Oh, yeah. And his duster was by Hugo Boss and cost $1,000. Yikes. Okay. That's actually not that much money. <laughs> I for think a cut, spikes but... cost more. Oh, I'm was sure. It not was it not that much money in nineteen? No, it was still much money in nineteen ninety seven, but for a piece of costuming for a show, that's mm. not all that. I, I guess on the budget they have in season one, yes, but spikes cost cost two thousand dollars, and they also yeah. had to distress it so. And I'm oh. pretty sure Cordelia's dress was an actual Todd Oldham. Oh, I'm sure it was. Because I'm pretty sure when it comes to that kind of stuff, if you say, like, a piece of clothing is, like, a piece of clothing, it actually has to be from that designer. Yeah, no, I'm sure. Mm. I'm sure it yeah. was a Todd Oldham. The other things I looked up or looked at was, you know, we never find out the deal behind Angel's tattoo. That is true. Yeah, we never, other than the fact that I don't know, Angela he has one. Thought it was cool, and it's a griffin from the Book of Kells. Yes. Uh, no, was mm. though that was an an Angelus tattoo, not an angel tattoo. I would assume so. I don't think we ever know. We. True. I I went deep cut into the internet so much that I got lost in a hole of other people's Buffy fan tattoos, some of which were really freaking cool. Yeah, I I no. I have the Angel Investigations logo. Oh, you do, don't you? I do. That's awesome. Well, I wanted to get a Buffy tattoo, but I didn't want to get the mark of Igon because I'm sorry that has bad connotations to it. Yeah, no, that's not a good idea. Don't do that. Yeah. yeah. A- anyone who's still listening after all the uh, shipping conversations that drove you away, don't get an eye uh, that tattoo. Yeah, I-, I I thought about Angel's tattoo at one point because it's holding a big A, and my yeah. name is Andy. So yeah. at least it wouldn't be like, why is there an A? Oh, it's your name. Oh. Yeah. Well, um, he must have gotten the tattoo when he was Angelus because when Giles is doing research, he's researching Angelus. And- right, right, yeah. absolutely. Good, good remembering yeah. of things. Yeah. Um, also, one other interesting about this episode is um, a big complaint with like martial arts movies and whatever is like, why does everyone attack the her- the hero one at a time? Mm-hmm. 
And so I think this may be the first time we actually see, like, three people oh, yeah. gang up on Buffy. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, is that allowed? And they do it can, can quite do often on this show. She does fight more than one vampire at a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they never actually, like, work in concert mm. like like the three do here. Where, like, two of them just go, okay, we're gonna pin her, you you kill her. <laughs> and, like, they're all just, like, she fights multiple vampires, but they're all acting independently. On their own, yeah. You know, it's yeah. really amazing to me that the Master has any followers left, because I'm pretty <laughs> sure the Master has killed more of his followers than Buffy has. <laughs> you know, you may have something yeah. well, there. Well, I mean, That's... he killed... Uh, as, was it Colin in the first episode? Well, you know, you've got something in your eye. Mm-hmm. Um, Do we know that he kills him that way? Does he die? I kind of assume so. Or does he just lose his I eye? I mean, he probably doesn't die that way, but I'm thinking that, you know, he eventually dies. There's some torture okay. involved. Then he kills uh, some vampires in Never Kill a Boy on the First Date, if I mm-hmm. recall correctly. Um, mm. And then he has Darla kill the three. And killing off the three, I mean, the three are, like, his, you know, like, major, like, big guns. And it's like, oh, you guys fucked up once. Well, you better die now. Right, and I even had the line written down that he says, because it's really great. It's really, he's like, oh, it brings me so little joy to, but I'm paraphrasing, but a little sometimes is enough. It's just, I love the sass master. Sass master really is such, (laughs) I, I, I just think he's great. Um, yeah, I don't know. Why is anybody following him? Cause yeah, he just kind of likes to kill his own minions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Does anybody have any uh, final thoughts on, uh, the episode of Angel? No, I just, again, there's some great one laners in this show that, you know, Mm -hmm. Oh, and some really great sort of things that are going to come up later and is are going to create good continuity. Like Darla saying that her family goes back to the War of Independence. Yeah. Right. So, and that was really great. And, uh, yeah, no, just mm-hmm. go back and, mm-hmm. listeners, go back and look up quotes for this or enjoy them because they're really, really good stuff. There, There is one really nice bit of direction in this, uh, this episode. When they, they talk about the three, mm-hmm. and they immediately cut to that close-up of the guy lighting the cigarette, which makes you go, okay, something's about to happen. And then they cut to the wider shot of, like, the three big guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, like, it kind of, like, subconsciously at least, makes you think, oh, that's the three. But then the actual three come mm-hmm. by. So it's this nice little fake-out a little bit of misdirection. Yeah, there's a yeah. It's, I mean, it's not it's not a big thing, but it's it's a nice nice little touch. I was actually really hoping the three would punch the neo Nazis. That's the fake out for the yeah. three. I'm like, punch them, punching Nazis is the way to be right now. Uh, um, always, but, be, always be punching Nazis. Always be punching Nazis. We're not um, going to get into that until uh, season five of Angel. Well, oh, it's wait, top. No, there's, okay, there's some then. punch of Nazis in season one, Angel too. I mean, they're demon Nazis, but that's true. But you know, it's Shh. relevant and topical for the world we live in right now, listeners. But are they listeners? But are they Illinois demons? Always Nazis. punch Nazis. And oh, speaking of relevant to the to today's uh, events, 
Do you notice Cordy is not in favor of free trade agreements? No, I know. I noticed that. That was great. <laughs> this is what happens when you get free trade agreements. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. Okay. Of course she wouldn't be into free trade agreements. True. Because she wears $200 shoes. Yeah. And I, uh, my note says, Cordy never change, which you do somewhat. And I kind of miss it sometimes. Yeah. But, mm. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's that's all I had. Yeah, I think I'm done. Yeah, no, I mean, I think basically we could all agree that just this was an awesome episode that really kind of sets things yeah. up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's nice that it's, we're finally getting to episodes that are really setting things in place. Yeah. And, and, and showing where we're going to go from here. Because a number of the episodes, especially like the last few, have been very much one-offs. Yeah. And we're going to get uh, some more of that before we get to the really, really, really good stuff. But yeah, we are going to get some of that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, next next week is pretty much a one. Yeah, oh, next yeah. week, so, so uh, we're going to be diving deep into the late 90s. You are going to be smashed in the face with the 90s with <laughs> iRobot Eugene, and we will get to see mm-hmm. all of the 90s computer stuff. <laughs> so until then, Ker Arg. Ker Arg. Ker Arg. We'd like to thank everyone who downloaded the podcast, and an extra special thanks to everyone who shared, liked, and subscribed on social media. If you'd like your questions or comments read on the show, you can contact us on our website, returntothehellmouth.com, on YouTube at Return to the Hellmouth, on Tumblr and Facebook at Return to the Hellmouth, or on Twitter at Hellmouth Returns. Or you could email us at returntothehellmouth at gmail.com. We'll be sure to read your comments on the show. Also, be sure to rate our show at iTunes and Stitcher. Check out our sister podcast, The Trash Compactor, Star Wars from the Female Perspective, and MC's YouTube channel featuring Fandom Equals Square MC and MCCs. See you on Tuesday for iRobot Eugene. Grr, arg.